You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, happy Saturday. Thanks for joining me today here every Saturday from 3 until 4 p.m. And you can always interact with me during the show. You can text in anytime at 71010. Uh, you can also tweet me at Pei Chen. You can find me on Instagram as well at Pei Chen. I just tweeted uh, a little hint of things to come on the show. And I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, coming up, basically, I'm going to I'm going to eat some bugs, and not just because it's like on a dare, like we're away in some sunny destination and we're drinking and going, I dare you to eat that. It's not that. It's actually uh, something that you're going to see more of in your food and, you know, baked treats. You might even start experimenting with making foods with insects at home. Now, you know, you might call me crazy right now because you refuse to believe it, but just give yourself a little bit of time. And when you start seeing the stuff popping up a lot more in grocery stores, you might get a little bit curious. So I'll tell you why people are eating more insects now in North America. It's not a new thing. People all over the world have had diets that included insects. It's just kind of us in the Western side of things, you know, it seems a little bit foreign. But I'll tell you why more people are realizing that there are some health benefits to it and also just things that you should consider. Don't. This is not a DIY project for you at home to go out and, and decide that you're going to start eating bugs. So uh, lots of great information, tips, uh, why people are doing this. That's coming up during the show. But if you have traveled somewhere or maybe even in town, because there are a couple of um, small shops and such that offer things like um, mealworm granola bars, and, and they're kind of like little specialty items. Hey, if you've tried bugs, and I don't mean like accidentally, like once I swallowed a fly because I was um, on my bike and it flew into my mouth. So not in that situation. But if you've ever tried any sort of insect, like a cricket or mealworm, whatever it might be, text in, let me know, 71010. Let me know what it tasted like, if you enjoyed it at all, and and uh, where that was, because I would love to know, and I'm sure there are some listeners out there who are pretty adventurous and do not think this is at all strange. I will admit I've never uh, had an insect intentionally. So like I said, just like the accidental one while riding my bike. Um, coming up in the second half of the show, now everyone, <laughs> I feel like I need to mute the tweets that mention the word cauliflower. So every, I feel like there's like the cauliflower price index and that is now the measurement uh, for how well our economy is doing because, you know, in some grocery stores, it has gone up to $7 for a head of cauliflower. So it seems that whenever someone finds it for like $4 or $1.99 somewhere, it's like a big deal. It's like, are we bouncing back from this? But the thing is, um, because of droughts in parts of North America and because our dollar has been tanking, the price of our groceries is going up and has gone up. And, and a lot of people, especially if you have a family and you're feeding a couple of mouths, are really noticing this impact on their wallets. So it's important, I think, for all of us to have access to healthy, fresh foods. Some of us can absorb the price, the price fluctuations better than others, of course. Um, but for some people who, you know, can't afford, uh, you know, the head of cauliflower, if it goes up a dollar, then it becomes uh, a real issue in terms of ac um, having access to good, healthy, fresh food for themselves, for their families, for their kids. So there's a really fantastic Toronto organization that I want you to know about. And I've mentioned them a few times um, on the show, but I'm going to have a representative from Food Share Toronto here. They do 
so many great things in the GTA. So they've got programs for kids. They have gardening programs, cooking classes, um, programs for uh, parents with toddlers and babies. And they have these great good food boxes where because they buy in bulk, uh, the price for you to purchase good, healthy, nutritious food food is much cheaper than if you were to buy at the grocery store. So I'm going to fill you in on all of that because I think it's really important to know that we can access really good food and sometimes it's just a matter of knowing where we can get the best prices and at the same time supporting a really fantastic organization that is providing access and education for people in various communities. So I hope you tune in for that. That's coming up in the second half of the show. But let's get back to bugs, because this is really interesting to me. So my guest in studio is Jared Golden. You're from, it's Entomo Farms, right? Yes, That's the name Entomo of the company? Farms. Okay. So you started this company with uh, your two brothers. Yeah. And how long ago was that? When did you decide to have this idea, this epiphany of like, guys, let's farm bugs? So yeah, my brothers have been farming uh, insects for about 10 years, primarily for the reptile trade. Oh, oh, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So I guess with pet stores and pet people stores, who... yeah, worms for fishing, that kind of thing. And um, I was jealous of their, you know, businesses and their relationship. They seem to have a lot of fun. Now, were they uh, sampling them at this point, or that hadn't really crossed their minds no, yet? That, Ten I, years ago, uh, no, it hadn't crossed their mind. I mean, they've grown some chicken, um, you know, with the insects and some fish aquaculturally, and. Um, about two years ago, a document from the United Nations and Food and Agriculture Organization came out titled Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And it basically contemplated that without insects entering the food and feed chain, we would either and or um, run out of protein to feed the expanding population or destroy the planet uh, while we farm the protein the way we do. Okay, so then you started uh, farming insects for human consumption in uh, recent years? Yeah, so then in the beginning of 2014, we started North America's first uh, human-dedicated insect farm. It was about 5,000 square feet. And there was a gentleman on Shark Tank who was producing a energy bar with cricket flour. And that was about the same time that uh, we saw this article from the United Nations. So Mark Cuban invested in his company, and he wow. talked about the powder or the flour um, being an interesting commodity that that you know we we should take a look at. We did, and um, you know two years later we're now at sixty thousand square feet. Uh, the traction is exciting. Wow! Um, and the interest is just uh, outstanding. Now I have to say that uh, two years ago I was doing a segment on City Line, which is a lifestyle show. And uh, one of the things I was doing in January, everyone likes to talk about food trends. So at that time, uh, I'd been reading some articles about uh, the rise. I mean, it was a kind of an incremental rise, I think, in popularity yeah. of eating insects. And so I was able to, in town from a local baker, find um, some, I, guess, I think it was uh, like little protein bars that yes. she made with insect flour. And she made these little candies that had like a cricket in them. So in a way, it was a bit of a novelty. And she was producing them on a very small scale, probably for health food stores and and uh, things like that. But it never did catch on in the mainstream. But what I've noticed is um, because people are curious about other sources of protein. And as you've mentioned, you know, we often hear about um, the impact on our on the land and on the environment um, in terms of raising livestock. And some people, you know, that's more important to them than than for other people. Um, but the thing, 
it's not a new thing, right? People have been eating insects in parts of the world uh, for hundreds of years. It's actually just part of their diet. Yeah, I mean, anthropologically, every people on the planet used to eat insects. It's our primary source of protein came from insects. Um, An elder once said to me, you know, part of the reason was it was much easier to catch a grub than it was to catch a deer. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, it was really just the Western culture that that, that stopped. And as you said, over 2 billion people, uh, you know, in the world eat insects. More people eat insects than speak English. And for very, very good reason. Um, They're extremely, extremely healthy. Um, So, you know, really the conversation in many respects comes down to one's desire to live longer and mm-hmm. live healthier. And and if you do, then it's something that you should consider. Now, are most of your customers who are buying your products, because I know that you um, you sell the like, cricket flour and mealworm flour. So when you look at it, it just looks like a dark powder. It just, yes. it's because it's basically been ground um, and people can do different things with that. And you also, because you you brought some things and I looked at it and I said, I said to you, oh, it, it seems like it'd be easier to eat if it was covered in chocolate or like yeah. hidden in food. But when you just look at a bag of dried up mealworms, you go, oh, right. OK, this is this is what you're eating. Um, are most of your, uh, I guess, customers in Canada or do you sell internationally? Yeah. So we're essentially a primary producer and manufacturer, a processor of the powder. So we're really a wholesale uh, company, if you will. And most of our customers take the powder and they repurpose it into energy bars, like you mentioned, chips, pasta, cookies, all kinds of things that we already eat. They're just really enhancing the protein value of that kind of food. So we wholesale all over the world, into the U.S., as far as Japan, Mexico, all over Europe, um, South Africa, um, and and many other parts of the world. Where's the demand highest for you? Um, The U.S. and Europe. And is it the flour that they're buying? Yeah, 90% is the flour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even uh, as far as New Zealand, there's a company launching a brand called Live Longer, Eat Well. Mm-hmm. And I think all his products are going to be called the 101 Bar and the 101 Chip and the 101 Cracker. So if you want to live to 101, you want to live longer, <laughs> you got to eat well. Could you imagine? I don't, I don't know how we could handle all these people who are, you know, living over 100. Uh, now, in town, actually, Summerhill Market got a bit of buzz in the past week because they actually started making really great dessert. Well, I don't know if they're really great. But I'm going to assume they are because we're going to, we'll try them after the break. But when you look at them, like they sent this beautiful uh, grasshopper pie. So, you know, green and it's got little whipped cream piped on it. Uh, but it uses your ground uh, cricket flour in the crust. And then there's also a chocolate covered cricket on top. Again, covered in chocolate and you can fool me and I will eat it. Um, and they've also what, what we'll also try as well is a peanut butter mealworm protein ball. So they're doing what a lot of people are doing, which is purchasing the the flour from you, the insect flour, and incorporating them into a food or dessert that most people are already familiar with. So it's not such um, a stretch, right, to try this product. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's such a great ingredient. You can be so creative with it. If you're making some pancakes on a Sunday morning by sprinkling some of the powder into the pancakes, You'll get, and it's not just the protein, they're extremely high in B12, extremely high in iron, calcium, um, omega-3, and fiber, a really good prebiotic fiber. Oh, really? Yeah, the more we learn about the gut biome and Mm -hmm. how important it is to have a healthy gut biome, the more we learn about fiber, 
uh, the insect uh, has a great advantage um, for, for that too. All right. So uh, feel free to text in 71010 if you have any questions for Jared. He's going to stick around after the break. Uh, Amanda Capito from our newsroom is also going to pop in. She's offered to try some of the products. And uh, my technical producer, Mike Catherwood, I sliced a piece of the, <laughs> the grasshopper pie for him without telling him what was in it. But Mike, you're still willing to try it? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, great. Well, it looks good, doesn't it? And uh, thanks for your text. Uh, someone texted and says they've tried flying ants and ant larvae in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, the flying ants were crunchy, the ant larvae chewy. Perhaps a texture thing. Uh, so you feel free to text in 7 10 10. We're going to take a quick break. Right now, we'll check the rows with News Talk 10 10, Time Saver Traffic. More with Pei Chen on In Depth Radio, News Talk 10 10. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're eating, we're, we're going to sample some food made from insects. So insect flour, crickets and mealworm flour. But also we're just going to straight up try uh, some of these insects on their own. My guest in studio is Jared Golden. He's from Entomo Farms and uh, it's uh, out just outside of Peterborough. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, Norwood, Ontario. How many kinds of insects do you farm up there? So they say uh, crickets are the gateway bug. So, so once you start farming crickets, you start farming everything else? Correct. So we do uh, mealworms, mm -hmm. um, superworms, waxworms, super and hornworms. They're just a slightly larger worm oh. than these mealworms, the right. kind of worm you may use when you go fishing. I feel like I would... Mm, I could try a mealworm because it's little. <laughs> the superworm <laughs> yeah. is like the next step, maybe, for me. Uh, sure. And so that's quite a few insects that you yeah. farm up there. Yeah, we really are specializing in the crickets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think what the um, California roll was to sushi, crickets and cricket powder are to entomophagy or eating insects. It's kind of like a way in yeah. um, that's less threatening than perhaps, you know, roe or, you know, Right, salmon. it's true. We eat a lot of things that if you were to think about it are a little bit strange. Like you said, like salmon and salmon roe and these different things. And then we go, oh, but insects, that's not yeah. a normal part of our diet. So Amanda Capito is in here uh, from the newsroom and she was very eager. When I asked her, I said, would you come in? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, it, it intrigued for sure. Yes. It's, and uh, <laughs> so I, and also Mike Catherwood in the control room there, he uh, has some of the snacks. Now here's the thing. I sliced some, uh, a bit of this pie. So it is the grasshopper pie from Summerhill Market. So they're actually selling uh, a couple of different products with your cricket flour and mealworm flour. And uh, I, what I did was I, I snuck the pie to him. I said, hey, you're going to eat this during the show. And he's like, oh, well, what's in it? And I didn't tell him. <laughs> so, but now he knows and he's still willing to try it. So I would like you guys to, to take a sample, take a bite of this and see. So the, the grasshopper pie, it's a beautiful pie. It's got like a chocolate crust. Yeah. So you it, don't see insects. Like I don't, you wouldn't know that there was insects in this if you gave no, this to me. You could just, you could, you could yeah. fool someone. You could totally fool someone. So Jared, my understanding is that it has the cricket flour in the crust. Yes. And it also has, I'll read the ingredients on the front here. Um, and we've chocolate also. chocolate covered crickets uh, on top. Yes. And so there's also, so it's got the green color of a typical grasshopper pie. So it's got that little bit of mint flavoring and whipped cream and then a little bit of, and then a little chocolate covered uh, cricket, which you can't tell is a cricket right away. So it's, I've, I've eaten the regular, the part of the pie right now and it's absolutely delicious. And again, you would never know, but I'm about to just try this, this actual cricket on top now. I'm just going to dive in. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Summerhill said they wanted me to let everyone know that instabuggy.com is uh, delivering these pies and food for free. Oh, that's great. So I think it's uh, within the city, right? So Correct. certain neighborhoods. Um, 
and you've also brought in, thank you very much, uh, some of your bugs, your insects, mealworms, and you've got, this is what I love, they're flavored like potato chips or like nuts. So you've, there's like, um, what is this one right here? We've got honey mustard crickets, fire and brimstone mealworms. Oh, is that the name of the mealworm or is that the- f That's the flavor. So those are dry roasted um, crickets that are flavored and dry roasted Amanda? Oh, now, <laughs> this is a great Amanda. mix. Pie and uh, yeah. now these really look, okay, the, the cricket on top, delicious. And you, again, you wouldn't really know. It was chocolatey and had a little bit of a crunch to it. I almost thought like it was wafer-like. Yeah, which was nice. kind of like a, a chip or a sunflower seed. Yeah, but and now this is a full out, like this looks like a bug here. Like we, I'm seeing antennae or. I want Mike's yeah. feedback oh as well. Oh my gosh, there's little Mike, eyes. The, are the eyes still on these? Don't. They're full, they're the whole cricket, nothing's I should. It's just the whole cricket. <laughs> okay, I guess it would be too hard to remove the eyes. I just like, it's shocking. Okay, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm okay, just, just gonna stop it. I wanna okay. know, Mike, your thoughts? Have you, what did you try in there? Just tried the pie in here. Did it's you like it? It's okay. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, mint. You don't mint. like mint. Yeah, that's the worst part of it for me. I really? can't even tell if there's crickets in here, All right. or grasshoppers, or whatever is in here. But yeah, <laughs> it is uh, for for uh, mint pie. It's pretty good. All right. So Jared, uh, actually, uh, oh, a listener texted in and said that they've tried your crispy mealworms and crickets. They're pretty tasty. Surprisingly, my four-year-old daughter loved them. She wasn't freaked out about eating bugs at all. Well, you know, it depends on your kids, right? Like some. My, it depends on if you make them think like it should be It should be weird. Yeah, especially if you're getting them young, then they, they'll just be used to it. This was delicious, this crunchy bug, this crunchy that, bug that had the eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cricket. Oh, cricket, yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, so this is, you were, we were saying uh, before we went on air here that it's like a replacement for chips and healthier. Correct. Way, Let, way, I want to try cricket. Here, you okay, let's swap. Yeah. All right. While you're sitting at home listening to Ten Ten, instead of munching on Ooh, you know traditional look a little weird. grocery you. store chips, Ooh, yeah. you can uh, munch on the crispy flavored insects and feel good about what you're eating. Uh, Jared, very quickly, this is not a. I, I was saying that this is not a DIY project for people. It is not. Uh, first of all, uh, insects you don't think should be eaten raw, so it's not yes. like you should go out in your backyard, right, and and just start eating the bugs that you find. No, we don't recommend that. I think you should know where your bugs are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have a, a supplier that you can trust uh, that's been vetted. Um, our, our facilities have been inspected and we are compliant with all, uh, you know, Canadian and international standards. Of no, practice. that's a good point because I would like when I buy any kind of food, like if I buy meat, I want to know that it came from a clean Place. I'm not just buying strange meat in the back alley somewhere because it's on sale, you know. Yeah. Um, you want to know that it's in like a clean facility, that they were raised properly in some way. Um, what would people do with the flour? You had mentioned like you could just sprinkle it on things, but is it a replacement for like all-purpose flour? It's not a total replacement. Really, it should be referred to as cricket powder, not flour. Okay. But, um, you know, a great example I like to give, if a family of four were to eat cricket powder insect protein one day a week for a year, so maybe in the mornings they had it in a muffin, in the afternoons in a, in a pizza crust, and in the evenings in a soup, if a family of four did that one day a week for a year, mm -hmm. they would save the planet about 750,000 liters of water. Wow. Yeah. I just gave Amanda a piece of the mealworm, uh, peanut butter mealworm protein bar from, also from Summerhill Market. Okay. Actually, that's really good. Yeah, that's delicious. Mm. That's a good treat. Very peanut buttery. <laughs> yeah. But not very mealwormy. <laughs> no, the, you know what, these, um, the mealworms, they tasted good, but the, the shape of them was like, Immediately putting it in your mouth, it's a bit of a weird sensation because it feels like a worm, like yeah. the shape. But you speak of them like 
like you keep using the word gateway. Like, are these addictive? Are these are you gonna get? Do people end up really, really loving them and just going full force? Yeah, you know, I think food that makes you feel good, not just internally in, in your energy, your physical being, gives you lots of energy, but food that you eat that you know is not having a tremendously devastating impact on the planet, leaves you in a space, you know, uh, psychologically. Physically, just feeling much better. So yeah, I think, and and that's what we see in kids, especially. I think that's why they keep coming back to it because it makes them feel good. It doesn't make you feel blah and bloated mm -hmm. like some of the other poor food choices people make. Any excuse to eat pie for me now? If, oh, you're telling me I'm gonna feel good? Sure, I'll take more of this pie too. Then we can pretend it has zero calories. Right? Yeah. And you can just eat that entire pie. Uh, Jared, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. It's been quite uh, insightful, I have to say. And uh, Amanda, you actually did eat most of that. I'm taking the whole pie. <laughs> I'm jealous ya. you didn't give me a slice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save the rest of this for you. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Um, so, Jarrett with uh, Entomo Farms. And again, thanks to Summerhill Market for sending down these great baked goods that they're now producing in-house. Uh, coming up after the break, I'll tell you, we'll talk a bit more about food. Not so much insects, but I think, you know what, there might be a partnership that we could see there in the future. But uh, how you can access really great, healthy food and how you can get your kids to care about how their food grows, where it comes from, and maybe teach them a few things on preparing it and cooking it as well. We're going to take a break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show. We'll be back right after this. Now back to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Uh, you can text in 71010. You can also tweet at Paychen. Thanks for your text, actually, during the first part of the show. Uh, I, a lot of you, I have to, like, kudos to you. A lot of you are, like, really cool with eating bugs, saying that you've um, traveled and you've tried it. Well, someone just texted and said they think it's simply disgusting, um, which, you know, is fair. But when you think about some of the, like, some of the things that we eat are weird. We eat, like, we eat shrimp. We eat oysters. We eat, like, there's... You know, that we eat certain animals could be considered strange if you remove yourself from the idea of the fact that you're used to eating hamburgers or steak. Um, and uh, if you want to find out more about Jared's products and the um, the flour or the powder, rather, they can go to their website, which is entomofarms.com, E-N-T-O-M-O. And my next guest, Katie, just walked in, and the first thing I did is I offered her some crickets and some mealworms. Are you willing to try oh, them? Definitely. Really? Well, you, Kate, you're very adventurous. I, for some reason, I kept thinking I had to convince people. Really? I've tried, I've tried the crickets before. You, Should uh, I go for a mealworm? Absolutely. The mealworms are flavored, as are the crickets. They're, um, They're honey mustard. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like eating flavored hmm. nuts or something. So Katie German is the uh, field-to-table schools manager. You're with Food Share. And I was sort of teasing this um, segment a little bit earlier in the show because a lot of people are, you know, all up in arms about the cost of produce going up, for one. So it's less accessible to some people who are, you know, have trouble making ends meet once in a while. For some, the rest of us, we kind of go like, okay, I can afford to buy, you know, whatever it is, the cauliflower or the um, the spinach, that's a little bit more this week. It doesn't phase them as much. But for some people, and especially in certain communities within the city, um, this presents a huge challenge. Uh, but FoodShare does a lot of great work. And uh, I'm familiar with FoodShare because over 15 years ago, so this would have been... Just trying to, I was freelancing, I think, at TVO at, this, at the time, uh, and someone had told me about the Good Food Box. And this was before I knew of any of these food delivery systems. Like, you know, people have um, 
the organic food boxes and boxes of groceries delivered for convenience or because it's a certain type of food that they want. And there was a woman who lived like two blocks away and I would go to her house and I would pick up my groceries, a, a box of groceries once a week. Now, keep in mind at this time, I was not a super adventurous cook. Like I really didn't know how to cook. I just ate pasta a lot. <laughs> and I remember I would get these things that I had just never, I would have never bought at the, I bought the exact, I bought the same things all the time. Maybe I'd buy broccoli. Maybe I'd buy some sort of green that was already in a box so I could have salad Mm -hmm. and I'd buy carrots. And I remember I would get, like, I got a squash and I just looked at it and I thought, oh my God, I do not know what to do with this. It's not that I hadn't eaten it, but I'd never prepared it. And with my good food box, when I picked it up, I remember that was the first time that I saw how Brussels sprouts grew because they actually delivered it on that I want to say it's like a tree on the stock <laughs> on the yeah. stock and it looks like a little it's almost like a little Christmas tree Definitely. with Brussels sprouts yeah. I had <laughs> no idea that that's how they grew I was fascinated wow. yeah so that's why I was familiar with food share but I really didn't know about a lot of the programs that you have so I mean for our listeners give us an idea of what food share does sure so food share has been in the city of Toronto for quite a long time we're 30 years old now Um, And we do a lot on food security and making sure that food is seen more as a right, that everyone should have access to healthy, nutritious food. Um, And we try and focus on the food system. So where are those parts that are either broken or not working or inadequate? So things like the cost of food or the accessibility of food. A lot of people in Toronto live in neighborhoods that are often referred to as food deserts because Mm -hmm. they can't actually walk to a grocery store. Um, They have to take transit or their city, their neighborhood was designed for people who have cars um, and the folks who live there now don't have cars. So how do you get to the grocery store? So we try and take that sort of bigger picture systems level approach to food issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So one example is the good food box. So instead of having everyone make it to the grocery store on their own and pay a bit of a higher price, if we collect all of those orders and purchase all of that food in bulk, we have access to a much lower price point. And then we can transfer that savings on to the people who are purchasing the box. So the when you get a box of fresh produce every week, um, it's actually uh, usually around $10 cheaper yeah. than if you were to go to a local grocery store and even like a no frills, like, mm-hmm. you know, the more affordable option. It's still m- way more affordable uh, to go through food share because we're using that sort of collective buying power. So you're, bu- it's, you're basically the volume of what you're buying is bringing the cost down. Now, do you have um, limitations in terms of where you will deliver for the good food box? So we're just city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then people order, like part of how we keep the cost low is that uh, people order from someone who's either in their neighborhood or in their community. And then we drop off to that uh, sort of neighborhood coordinator. So we're doing one drop off of maybe 10 boxes rather than going door to door. And which um, would cost more if you were to do that. So if you were interested in getting a box, you would just call food share and we would put you in touch with the closest existing coordinator. Okay. So there might, you know, usually there's someone who lives in your building or is a couple (laughs) blocks down or they work in the same place as you. And we can put you in touch with that person. Um, or if there isn't someone that's very close to you, you can become a drop off point. Yeah. You could be that, that person, right? That person that people that day come and pick stuff up and you kind of help coordinate. And it's, you know, it's an interesting, it's a good way to meet people in your neighborhood. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a central way to just kind of bring people together. And food has that, that power for a lot of people. Uh, just connect and, and touch base with each other and talk about things like when you go to pick up your box and there's a squash in it, uh, you can ask your neighbor. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I think I, and I remember the, I got a whole cabbage once and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And my roommate, I had a roommate at the time and she was like, 
I don't know what you're going to do. I, I will be honest with you. Some of the food I never ate. I, I think it just I left it in the fridge and it started mm. to go bad. But it did make me experiment a little bit more because yeah. I was in my 20s and I didn't really know like oh my god what do I do with all these vegetables yeah. uh, but it was a good way to actually try because then I was trying to eat them right? right like trying to keep up with it but to give people an idea of the prices and I'm shocked because I remember back then it seemed like a good deal and I just thought the prices would have inflated by this point but the small good food box which is good for I think one or two people Probably it was yep. a lot for me. Yeah, um, is thirteen dollars. The large is eighteen dollars. There's not a lot of produce you can buy at the grocery store for eighteen dollars. No. And that large box is kind of the size of a of like a blue bin, you know. So it's, wow. it's actually like a pretty substantial amount of food. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. decent. And you also offer uh, organic uh, boxes, so small and large. And I know that whenever possible, you try to uh, support Ontario farmers. Yeah, which is great because we've also been able to with the large purchasing power, partner with some local producers who weren't able to sell all of their produce, oh, but were yeah. able to take, a, a, you know, for example, a really large apple order. There was um, the Norfolk uh, Apple Growers Cooperative. Mm -hmm. They were getting rid of all of these small apples because they weren't large enough for the grocery store, but they're right. the perfect size for school children. So now we buy tons, <laughs> you buy all the tons. Little apples. <laughs> of their small apples because yeah. we can get them directly into schools mm -hmm. where they're the perfect size for like a little kindergarten mid-morning snack. See, that's great. And it's just less waste because it's Absolutely. amazing how much does go to waste even for the growers because the food isn't perfect. Yeah. It's not the right size. It doesn't meet certain standards. And they estimate that globally over half of the food that we produce just gets wasted. It doesn't that's make awful. it out of the field. It doesn't make it to the store. It gets tossed at the store and it gets tossed at home. Now, I know that what you have worked on a lot too are the um, the school programs. Yeah, and I what I think is really great is that you uh, with food share you go into a lot of these areas where um, access to good food is more limited, and you know there are kids there who may not get the most nutritious food at home. But uh, for anyone who's listening, there are actually ways that they can get their kids um, involved because there's a huge disconnect sometimes with uh, not just kids, even with adults, knowing where their food comes from. Absolutely. I would say adults, too. I mean, even you as a college student, not quite knowing how Brussels sprouts grew. <laughs> I had no right? idea. A lot of us have no idea. <laughs> and, and part of it is try like what we're trying to do in the Fields Table Schools program is bring food back into um, an education. So by the time you finish high school, uh, every student knows how to cook for themselves, grow their own food. They understand how the food system works. They know what they can buy at the grocery store to get the most nutritious, most affordable items um, and that they can cook for their families as adults. Well, that's one thing. It'd be pretty amazing if high school students could all finish school knowing how to cook because that's something that isn't happening as much anymore. Right. Um, after the break, I want to talk a bit more about how people can get, can, um, get involved and uh, get their kids involved as well in programs that you might have. And we also will talk about a really great event that you have coming up in about a month, so at the end of February. So uh, my guest is Katie German from Field the Field to Table Schools Manager with FoodShare. A lot of great programs that they have that you might want to know about for yourself or for your kids. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. My guest is Katie German. She is from Food Share. And we were talking before the break about some of the programs and the services that you offer, um, specifically 
uh, we got into detail about the um, the good food box, which is great for anyone living in the city who wants to cut down on their grocery bill, but at the same time support uh, Ontario farmers if they can and have access to really affordable, uh, good, healthy produce. So um, the the other programs that you offer, because you do a lot of really good work in schools and with students. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking in the break about um, the fact that a lot of these workshops, anyone can sign their, their kids up for if they wanted to. It's not just that it's in certain schools. Yeah, so we do workshops um, in schools across the city, and we work with students junior kindergarten all the way through grade 12, and we've done college and university as well. So, um, And the idea is just to do some fun, hands-on, but curriculum-linked activities that make it easy for teachers to teach about food um, and just get students really excited about thinking about food and trying new flavors and trying new things. Now, how do you get them excited about it? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one way to get a kid really excited about something to eat is to have them grow at themselves. That's like the the key. Um, If you don't have that much time, um, making a fun activity or doing a comparison is a really easy way. So try a cooked apple versus a raw apple Mm -hmm. or a dried item versus a fresh item. And then you have something to compare and talk about. So we try and do like uh, moving away from the idea of like yum and yuck. Like, I don't like it or I like it, Mm -hmm. but why don't you like it? Like, I don't like the texture. Mm -hmm. So then maybe next time you try it with a different texture. So making it a bit bit more fun um, and a bit more like, uh, yeah, exactly. Just more fun is is the way to do it. Now, what about teaching kids um, actual food preparation skills? So how to cook, how to prepare the stuff? Um, You know, is that something that people can get their kids involved in? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we do that a lot with all of our workshops. We try and have something to eat and something to and have students preparing. So we have students all the way through kindergarten preparing a snack for themselves because that's a way that they're going to want to actually try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when they see their friends try it. And so all of our workshops that we do, they're all fully downloadable from our website as well. Oh, so that's parents great. or teachers or educators, yeah. um, you can download them, print them out, use the parts that you like, um, get some ideas. Um, and we have really good success of even parents saying, you know, I tried this fun activity on a weekend or something and my kids are really into it. We try at FoodShare across the board to just make all of our programs easily replicated. So Mm -hmm. we share resources. Everything's open source. We're happy to share with other community groups about what we've tried and what works because we can't do it all. And the only way we're really going to fix the food system is if more people get involved and do the work themselves. And you actually have some gardens where you have, uh, I guess, high school students who do their co-ops by working at them during the summer? Yeah, so they can do both. We have two large-scale market gardens that are run at high schools. Uh, so one's in Scarborough. So you can picture, like, a big lawn mm-hmm. <laughs> at a Scarborough high school. Um, and we actually tore up a big chunk of the front and the back lawn of the school, and wow. we farm right there. And then the second one is Eastdale Collegiate, and that's downtown. And we actually grew up on the roof of that school. Um, and so those are two models where we're really deeply sort of embedded in the school. We have a strong relationship with the school. Um, a, like at Bendale in Scarborough, a grade nine student might have horticulture in the morning where they're out harvesting. That's uh, so Period cool. two, they have cooking where they're cooking the lunch every day. Like, so they get to interact with food in many different ways um, uh, throughout like their whole career and then school career. And then we hire students in after school jobs, they get paid. Um, and in the summer they get paid full-time jobs plus two co-op credits. So really? Yeah. Now what were the full, what were the jobs be? They're Is it farming. The they're farming. Yeah. So they're seeding and weeding and watering, wow. harvesting. And then a lot of our food gets sold at the farmer's market. Um, oh, the, so the oh, students actually go to the market. They set up the stand. They merchandise. That's they have great. to answer questions. So 
I mean, when they start, they often don't know the difference between <laughs> the crops that we're growing. And by yeah. the end of the summer, they're like describing their favorite method for making kale chips or why you should wow. pick this pepper over that pepper. And that is just such a yeah. practical um, skill to have and, and very useful and practical education. Absolutely. I think I've, also building confidence because when you're, I remember being like in high school, I had a co-op and I was deathly afraid of adults. Right. So I never spoke to <laughs> anyone. I worked at a radio station. Yeah. I was like, I would just hide in this little tiny office and staple and photocopy things but it, that sort of interaction really helps them um you know like just gain some confidence absolutely and part of it is a lot of the students i mean they're living in the city they're not really going to become farmers but working at the farmer's market and farming gives them a lot of the skills that are transferable to what it is that they want to do and whatever it is they move on to next. And that confidence and skill building is a big part of the program. Now, I know that some of the students um, that have worked through the various food share programs will actually be uh, serving and, and helping out at one of your big fundraising events that's coming up. Oh, that's right. So um, coming up is Recipe for Change, and it's uh, a really incredible evening of 30 chefs from across the city who come and prepare dishes. Um, and so our two Two schools that we work with a lot, Bendale and Eastdale, both have culinary programs where the high school students have been designing their dishes, oh, um, so getting ready for the event, and they're actually going to show up and serve their own dish that they prepared um, alongside all the other chefs. They wear their chef whites. Wow. And <laughs> they're next to, you know, all That's of the other cool restaurants. That's cool for them because you've got some really great chefs from the city who are going to be there. So like, you know, Rocco from Pizzeria Libretto. Yep. Um, you've got uh, the executive chef from Colette Grand Bistro. Nick Lee from Dilo, Amanda Ray from Biff's Bistro, some like really top chefs in the yeah. city. And these students are going to it's, have the chance to cook and serve alongside them. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts of the night too is just before the guests come in and the students get to walk around and shake hands with all of those chefs um, and get to say hi and maybe sample That's their exciting. dish and they get to they get to really feel like they're part of a peer group almost, which is really great. So the event, uh, Recipe for Change, is taking place on Thursday, February 25th, so just less than a month away, and it takes place at Toronto St. Lawrence Market in the South Tent, um, and if you want to find out information on buying tickets, do you have the price of the tickets are oh it's like a range they're right. like i think they're like 130 or something like that so yeah. foodshare.net is the website so it's going towards just such a great cause i mean i know that it's maybe more than you might spend on a regular night out for yourself but it's definitely a treat yeah and you get a tax receipt and all of the all of the money that we raise from this event goes directly into workshops and schools getting kids eating healthy food and building those skills so that we have a long-term fix to the food system instead of these short-term emergencies the short-term yeah. fix which i think a lot you know um it's problematic, but at the same time, I, it serves a purpose, which is yeah. just like donate food, get food to people who Absolutely. don't have it. But the fact that you are helping students and kids as young as in kindergarten get interested in eating good food, preparing it, yeah. growing it, I think um, definitely goes a much longer way than just simply, you know, handing someone something and saying, here, eat this. Yeah. Um, another great thing you do is catering, which I, the reason I want people to know about that is because it could be for an event that you're having, an anniversary party, a wedding, an engagement party, uh, a work event. You know, there's I remember times I'd have to order like catering for large meetings or events. So it's a great option. Yeah, absolutely. And that one is run like a social enterprise. So we 
the money that we make through catering goes right back into our kitchen program. So doing community kitchen um, and more like focusing on food access through kitchen programs, which is funded by the catering program. So there's lots of ways to sort of engage with food share and get something for yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but at the same time, we use that revenue to, to give back to the community and sort of strengthen and build up a food system that is more sustainable long term. What I found too, um, right around the holidays, which I thought was really great, was that you have these share baskets. So they're gift baskets that are prepared in the food share kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a, a rotating and changing list of items that are made there, but there's like preserves and jams and granola and spiced nuts and all kinds of really good stuff. So these gift baskets um, that people can just purchase. I mean, there, there are a lot of places you can buy gift baskets. Right. So whether it's for clients or it's for... Um, uh, let's say congratulating someone on a new baby or yeah. housewarming, um, but you have these, and what I love is that it's a it, it's essentially a gift that gives twice because you're giving this really beautiful gift basket of like homemade goods, and the money that um, you are giving or that you know you've paid goes towards more of your work. Those programs exactly, and Sybil and Leonard who work in the kitchen spend so much time um, preparing the, like those phenomenal parts of those gift baskets, like the tastiest like seasoned <laughs> treats and jams like they're working on that year round um so it's nice because you do get that sort of like homemade handcrafted artisanal kind of feel when you receive the basket um but the money is going back into the programs that are really helping to strengthen the community here in toronto uh what's been your favorite part of uh working with food share oh my goodness i mean i work in the schools programs because i love working with young people and i think seeing the transformation f with students as you said building that confidence but my most favorite part is working with students and, and by, you know, a two month summer with us, if by the end of the summer, I've seen students cook a meal from scratch by just looking at what we have in the pantry. And at the beginning of the summer, they couldn't hold a knife or open a can, wow. you know? And so to see like, when you work with young people, you can see some real, some real change and you can also see it pretty quick. Like they pick things up pretty quick. So. Well, I think to see that progress is pretty yeah. amazing. So I'm sure that you've had, uh, through your years at FoodShare, then you've had some kids who are um, probably now in their 20s, right? Who've yeah. perhaps chosen an, a career in food? Yeah. Yeah. It's happened. We have students who um, have gone through school grown and worked a couple of years and now they're working in some of the kitchens that the farm used to supply. Oh, um, right. And so they're able, like they found food in many ways as like whether it's just part that they're able to cook for themselves and they prioritize buying healthy food when they can um, or that it's become a career for them. Well, I'm sure it's very rewarding uh, to, you know, to be on sort of the front lines yeah. the way that you are, which is great. So if people want to get involved, um, there are, like you said, a lot, there's lots of great information on your website and uh, yep. lessons and things like that that people Tons can of print stuff off. That people can download and take and share and, and change. And if you use it, let us know and let us know how it went so we can make a better. <laughs> and uh, if you want to find out more from information and get tickets for Recipe for Change, which is taking place February 25th, you can do that on their website as well. It's foodshare.net. Uh, thank you so much for coming in, Katie. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, enjoy the crickets that I gave you, which I don't get to give all my guests. Oh, so lucky. <laughs> So, uh, and also thanks to the listeners for tuning in. You can catch podcasts of the show on paychen.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at paychen as well. Uh, have a great weekend and I'll be back next Saturday.